Thank you, David. That's a very good explanation. That was uh, presented in a way that we can all understand and identify with. So, it's by grace that we have been saved through faith. And the faith itself is a gift from God. God's initiative, God's action through the cross. It's not by works, as David so eloquently explained there. Um, it's not by works of righteousness that we've done, but simply by the grace and mercy of God. So, by grace, through faith, gift of God, in order that we can do good works. Now the question comes, why did God have good works for us to do afterwards? We can't earn our way to God. That doesn't mean that there's nothing for us to do, does it? We were created in the image and likeness of God. So what does God do? God does good works. Uh, everything, uh, he was working when he created the earth. And he created it, he called it forth into being, and it says over and over again in Genesis 1, God saw that it was good. God has a, a, a value placed upon the things that he's doing. And his evaluation of it is good. Now it tells us in Hebrews that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the works do not gain our approval and favor. The works, the good works that we've done after we've been saved is just the normal living out of our salvation, isn't it? It's the working, the living... God redeemed even our work because even our work had become corrupted and infected. And so work, which was meant to be um, a creative, fulfilling kind of thing, becomes a burden and a drudgery for some people. And they hate their jobs. It's not supposed to be that way. So it should be something that's fulfilling, something that is positive, something that benefits, something that um, is healthful for us, for our self-image, for... Um, for the, the people that we work for and the jobs that we do. They should be being better because of what we do. So what about this faith then? Sometimes we get the idea that um, faith is a commodity. You know, so here we are. We haven't done anything to earn it, but God gives us, he gives us faith. There it is. And it's a free gift. I don't deserve it, haven't done anything to earn it. It's just God loves us, and because of his grace, he gives me faith. So I pick it up. Okay, I've got faith. Done what? And we get the idea that faith is something that we possess. Uh, but a gift, especially a gift that's meant to be used, is of no value to me at all unless I use it. I can have all the faith in the world, and if I don't use it, it accomplishes nothing. Now, the other thing is that faith is good, 
as long as it's directed in the right place. You know, there are a lot of people who got on this boat, a ship, it was called the Titanic. It was said to be unsinkable. The best technology, uh, everything, the best of the best, the best money could buy and the best men could come up with. Unsinkable. And people had faith in that. And they got on it without a fear. And they thought, man, this is going to be great. And the ship sank. Now, there wasn't anything wrong with their faith. The problem was their faith was in the wrong direction. There's some people who have faith um, in the wrong people or the wrong things, and they end up very disappointed. Some people end up dead because of it. Because the faith's not in the right one. This is why Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I know, I know the one that I believed in. And I'm certain he's able to keep me and what I've committed to him. So the faith has to be directed in the right way. Now one of the other problems with this word faith is that we, we think it's a commodity because faith, the word faith, is a noun. By faith, you've been saved. That's a noun. Uh, you know, your faith is the victory that overcomes the world. That's a noun. And so we think it's a thing. And it is. But it's more than that, isn't it? Um, you know, the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John does not ever use the word faith. It's not in the Gospel of John. That word is not in the Gospel of John. The word believe is a verb. Believe, and you shall be saved. Believe is a verb. John uses that almost a hundred times. So we could say that believe is the verbal form of faith in action. And it's God's word that is the active thing here. To believe is to put our faith into action. It's literally trusting obedience. That's what the word believe is. That's our faith being active, being able to express itself. Uh, then it becomes something of great value. So we, we've said there in Ephesians, Paul said that we're saved by grace. It's an act of God. God takes the initiative. But it comes to us through faith. In other words, that grace can be there and it's available to me but until by faith I take it and that faith becomes active, then when that grace makes a difference in my life. Uh, the grace is there. The book of Hebrews says, as Christians, we need to be careful that no one misses the grace of God and a root of bitterness grows up instead. Because the grace is there, but you have to receive it. It has to be put into practice, into, into action in our life. And so it's by faith that we receive the grace of God. And then it becomes effective in transforming us. As long as it's out there, it doesn't help anybody. So faith is something more than what we possess. Faith is something we participate in. And that's the key. Faith is participating in the grace of God. He has given it freely through His Son. 
By faith, we appropriate it and receive it. We are participating, and it becomes effective in our heart. Trusting obedience. And we know the one that we've believed in. We trust him, and that trust results in a change in behavior. So, we are God's workmanship, created to do good works because we are created in the image and likeness of God. And because God works, we work. Jesus said that about himself, right? They were complaining that he was working on the Sabbath, and he said, hey, my father is working today, so am I. I'm walking with him, I'm working with him, um, I'm doing what I see my father doing. He created me for this purpose. When that happens, there's a blessing. And God's evaluation of that is that's good. So we receive God's grace by faith. It becomes active in our life. The result is the good works that we have been created to do because we're created in His image. And when that happens, we're back to Genesis 1. When God works, the result is blessing. That's good. God's evaluation. God's definition. When we are walking with the Lord in trusting obedience, doing what He is telling us to do, there's a blessing there. The blessing is life in us and in the things that we do. So how do we receive this faith? Paul tells us in Romans 10:17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And that's where we direct our faith. It's directed toward what God has said, what he has revealed. Now, interesting enough, James says the very same thing. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says, God chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. God chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Same thing Paul said. We're saved by faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes from the word of God, the word of truth. And that's the thing that sets us free. The truth is salvation is found in none other than Jesus Christ. And there's no other name under heaven given by which we can find salvation except through him. So faith is something that we participate in, trusting obedience, walking with the Lord. This is why faith without works is dead, because it has no life. So James says again in verse 22, Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So that's where the faith becomes an active thing. We hear the word of God, we receive it, we put it into practice in our lives. Now, um... He's going to tell us that one of the problems with people is that when their faith is not put into practice, then it becomes of no value. And the other thing is that as we participate in the faith which God has given to us, that's when the transformation takes place. So repentance and belief are two sides of the same coin. And as we come to know the Lord, we walk with Him, 
uh, believing, hearing God's word, putting them into practice, participating, then we become partners with the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to read starting with verse 14. And listen to what he's talking about. Um, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. And that's what we're talking about here. Idolatry. Um, Trying to go our own way, doing our own thing, instead of receiving what God has for us. Flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? He says we are partaking of the life of Christ himself. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that the sacrifice offered to an idol is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No, Paul writes. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. Listen what he says here in verse 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? What did he just say? There are those of us in the church who think, well, you know, um, it doesn't matter what I do during the week, and I can go out and do whatever I feel like doing, and I can abuse people or use people or manipulate people. I can do what I want as long as I get what I want. I can go out and have a great time Friday and Saturday night because Sunday's coming, and I can go and repent and be forgiven. Well, wait a minute. He just told you you can't participate in that kind of a lifestyle and participate in the Lord's table. It's not going to happen. It's by grace we are saved through faith. It's a gift of God. It's a participation in the life of Jesus Christ. You can't participate in the sinfulness and the wickedness and at the same time participate in the life of Christ. The two are incompatible and they don't work. So there's a warning. This is 1 Corinthians 10. And 1 Corinthians 11... It's talking about the Lord's Supper. There's a warning involved. It's a pretty serious warning. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks damnation on himself. That is why many are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. Not because the sermon was poor, but because they died. (laughs) But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under, under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So the context he was writing about is they were coming together. They usually had a communal meal 
every Sunday. And then they would have communion at the end of that, the Lord's Supper. And what they did was everybody, we call it uh, bring and share. Well, in those days, it was a bring and keep. <laughs> Nobody shared. So the rich people were over here, and they had all this food. I mean, the, the best, everything, and they were, had plenty. And the poor over here, some of them didn't even have anything to eat. And so they just sat and watched. And then together, they would come and have the Lord's Supper together. And Paul says, what are you doing? This is the body of Christ. We're all in this together. We are all participating in this, so we ought to participate in this. So we're talking about faith that produces works. It's not works so that we can say, look, this is what I'm doing. This is just, it's just the normal, everyday working out of the grace of God in our lives. It's a participation in what God is doing. That's what he's called us to. So, you know, God, it tells us in 1 John 1, 5, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If light mixes with the darkness, then it's not light anymore. What fellowship, he says, can light have with darkness? It's mutually exclusive. When you turn the light on, the dark leaves. When you turn the light off, the dark returns. But you turn the light switch on and you can't have them both. So in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, Paul says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? We've forgotten that, haven't we? What fellowship can light have with darkness? Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now that's quite a statement. Um, it says we're not to disassociate with them because we are to be there to help them, but we don't have to move in with them. You know? Uh, we don't have to join ourselves to them in binding agreements. Uh, do not be yoked together with unbelievers because what happens is there is a watering down effect and the light is not light anymore. And the salt begins to lose its saltiness uh, because there's compromise taking place. So, you know, it's, it's like, well, it was just a little bit sinful. You know, it's just a little white lie. That's like being a little bit pregnant. <laughs> but you either are or you're not. <laughs> so it's that kind of a thing here, you know. We're either walking in the light or we're walking in the darkness, and there isn't a whole lot in between. Um, the gray areas is where the confusion comes and where the fear and the doubt, all of that creeps in, in the gray areas. God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If we're confused about the truth, we need to draw closer to the light, and it will become clear to us. And the closer we walk with the Lord, that's how we know how to live in this present sinful world. Well, is this acceptable or not? Well, acceptable to whom? Well, it's legal. Law says it's all right. But God's not 
He's greater than that law. And sometimes the law go con goes contrary to the will of God. And apart from what some people believe, the United States is not the kingdom of God. It is not. And if we confuse that together, we are in serious trouble. The United States is not the kingdom of God. Our allegiance is to the kingdom of God, and we walk with him. We thank the Lord for this country. It's the best country in the world, and we all need to give thanks that we live in this country at this time. I guarantee you it's the best place in the world to be right now. But it's not the kingdom of God. So what we're called to participate in is walking in obedience to the Lord, participating in the life of Christ. So it says that in Genesis 15, Abraham believed God. He believed what God told him, the promise, even though it was physically impossible what God was telling him was going to happen. He knew that. But he believed God. He trusted the word of God. He received that grace. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Because the most righteous thing that you can ever do is take God at his word. And all of our righteousness comes from that. Taking God at his word. So we participate in the life of Christ. In John chapter 6... This is what Jesus was talking about. He's talking about eating his body, drinking his blood. He's not talking about communion here. He's not talking about the Eucharist. What he's talking about is so identified with him that his life becomes ours. That's what he's identifying with us. Adam and Eve, as David was sharing a minute ago, how did they sin? They ate the forbidden fruit. They went contrary to what God had expressly told them to do. wasn't that they misunderstood. wasn't that they were confused. They just said, I'm going to do it anyway, just like us. And they did. And then they got the consequences, just like us. Um, so when they ate, what happened is that sin, which was outside themselves, entered in and changed them from the inside they who had no sin became sinful and then because a person is sinful everything you do is sinful because Paul tells us in Romans anything that does not come from faith is sin it's a strong statement Romans 14 23 Whatever is not produced by faith is sin. Faith, trusting, obedience to the Lord, participating in what God is doing, anything less is sin. So we can do good works, but at the end, those works aren't good because they're not produced by faith. And then he's going to tell us later on, the only thing that counts... The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith expressing itself, participation, believing, putting it into practice. 
So when we participate with Christ, when we fill our lives with His life, when we eat His body and drink His blood, in the sense not going through the ritual, but in the sense of every day taking His Word into our heart and life, it's like eating it. This is why um, Ezekiel in his call, God gave him a scroll and told him to eat it, to fill his stomach with it, to take to heart what was written on that scroll, and he became the message. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, so identified with him that we're receiving his message, his life itself, and we become, as Paul says, for me to live is Christ. We become like him because he is in our hearts and lives. It's participation in what he's doing. When that happens, when we become full of Christ, we are filled with the Spirit, and it results in us being transformed into his likeness. Now that's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. As Christians, day by day, as we focus upon the Lord, we are being transformed in greater and greater glory into his image, daily becoming more like him. Peter put it, puts it this way in 2 Peter chapter 1. You know, we read these things all the time, but if we stopped and thought about what God is telling us, you know, it's just incredible. 2 Peter chapter 1, speaking about God, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Okay, look at verse 4. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. You can participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires because your nature has changed. Participating in the divine nature by grace through faith and that faith is a gift and God gives it to us freely. It's not something to possess. It's something to participate in, to receive from God and give back to Him what He's entrusted to us. So that's what He's called us to do, to call us to participate, to obedience, to walk in Him. To believe means practical obedience, trusting obedience. Then... Paul writes in Romans 12, Do not be conformed, which is a passive thing, but be transformed, which is an active thing. And so it's God's Word active in our lives. He's making the changes within us that we're not able to make. And so He invites us to participate, to become partners with Him. So Hebrews 4, verse 2, is talking about um, the Jews of the Old Testament and many of them who were not able to make it into the promised land because of their sin. And he's talking about um, the message that's coming to them that's to give them hope and life. But he says in Hebrews 4, 2, but the message they heard was of no value to them 
because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Or it could be translated, because they did not share in the faith of those who obeyed. Believing is an active participation. That's what faith is all about. Hearing comes from the Word of God, and it's appropriated, made effective in our lives through faith that God gives to us. And when that happens, then we're pleasing to God. So, what that results in, because we're participating in the divine nature, we're escaping the world of corruption because of the evil desires, because the desires of our heart have changed. And then we end up with the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if you read in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, it's contrasted with the acts of the sinful nature. So he tells us the acts of the sinful nature, and he lists that list that we're all familiar with because we've all participated in those things. And then he says the fruit of the Spirit, which means the acts of the Spirit in your life and mine. And then he lifts the fruit of the Spirit. And what he's saying by saying these are fruit is that these things are active in our life. If that fruit is not active in our life, then we don't have it. So the fruit is there as an outward expression of faith. The only thing that counts, Paul says, is faith expressing itself through love. And so we understand that, don't we? The faith is a gift, and it is not an end in itself. The goal is not to have faith. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. So faith by itself, it's got to be an active living thing in trusting obedience, receiving the Word of God, receiving it into ourselves, that word changes us. And then faith becomes a very powerful thing. Then Jesus can say to the disciples, greater works than these shall you do in my name. Jesus said, the work that I do is what I see my Father doing. He has told me what to say. He's told me how to live. I'm doing that. And he said, that's his desire for you and for me. Uh, we receive from him and we put it into practice. By his grace... The faith comes alive and then it becomes effective in us and then through us. And that's the witness that we have. And it's an incredible thing. Um, so, in John chapter 12, Jesus said, I did not speak of my own accord. The Father who commanded me to say, who sent me, commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. And look in Matthew 10. Verse 19. These are Jesus' instructions to his disciples as he's sending them out. This is what he says. He's talking about persecution that's coming. When they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. 
For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Just like Jesus said, God is telling me what to say and how to say it. And he says, when you're called on the carpet for something that you're doing in the name of Christ, don't worry about it. The Spirit of God will come into you and will speak through you. And it won't be you speaking. It'll be the Spirit of God speaking through you. Participation. Faith becoming life. Uh, faith becoming something that we live out. And that's the good works that we were created for. That's what we're created for. God tells us and we trustingly obey Him. And the result is blessing and wholeness and life and peace. It's all there. But it's through His grace given us in an active way that changes us. Let's pray. So, Father, we are so grateful for a faith that is not something just to, to keep, but it's a call to participate in the very life that you've given to us, created in your image, bought by the cross of Christ Jesus, filled with your Spirit for the purpose of participation with you, partnering with you, you working in us and through us for your glory us being your representatives, your ambassadors, you making your appeal through us to be reconciled to God. Father, we pray that we would live that message. It would be more than just words, but it would be a, a, a way of living. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.